Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to the Nature Jobs podcast. I'm Julie Gould. Last month, I took my family on yet another trip in search of some good stuff for the Nature Jobs podcast. This time, I went to Toulouse in France, which was home to the 2018 Euroscience Open Forum. Also colloquially known as ESOF, this event has been running biannually since 2004 and has become the largest pan-European interdisciplinary science conference and is also a showcase for European science. One of the most well-attended sessions was called The Lost Generation of European Scientists, How to Make the System More Sustainable. And the aim of the session was to discuss where the academic system in Europe has gone wrong and how we could fix it. Now, this is a really big ask, and it's something that people have been discussing for a while. But now that more and more pressure is being applied to the system, hopefully some changes can be made. I caught up with some of the speakers from the session to pick out some of the points they made. Jean-Pierre Bourguignon, who is the president of the European Research Council, a.k.a. the ERC, knows that Europe-wide changes are needed. But he says it's often difficult to do so with countries that have such different systems. Well, the idea was to really uh, examine, in a sense, what, uh, what are the conditions done, uh, given uh, conditions offered to young researchers. And uh, really to, and of course, the, what uh, immediately uh, comes to mind is the fact that from one country to the next, or even from one discipline to the next, the situations are very different. So, so of course, uh, I mean, there are still some places and some disciplines where basically uh, you, you find easily a possibility of uh, employment and you find good uh, supervision and so on. So, so you see, it's not uniformly negative. Another thing which is not so negative is uh, actually the, the fact that if you look uh, back 20 years and, and now, if I look even my discipline, I'm a mathematician, uh, definitely uh, the possibility of being employed in a company has grown fantastically, up to the point that in France at the moment, more or less uh, half of the PhDs actually go to companies. So of course, maybe for some of them it's not what they uh, anticipated, uh, maybe they were not so happy about that, but in, at least they are employed at the level which takes advantage of their knowledge. And so it shows that the, uh, but this is on, not only two format, but I'm just giving this because I know it, uh, because it's my, my, my speciality. Uh, so it shows that the, 
um, request or the need for for industry or all kinds of activities services to to really uh, tap into highly educated people has grown considerably and I think it's going to continue to grow so so I think we uh, we, we should be aware of that and in the sense we should not consider that somebody who has been trained at a high level in, in the end doesn't remain in academia that it's a it's a disaster René Schroeder from the Max F. Perutz Laboratories at the University of Vienna thought the title of the talk, The Lost Generation of European Scientists, came across as rather defeatist. And she said that this attitude towards leaving academia is part of the problem. I'm not, I don't really see the lost generation. It's just that it's not a failure if you don't stay in academia. Yeah, that's totally wrong. We train people as PhDs, and that's very good for Europe, it's very good for the world. These people have great skills to do other things. They have maybe much better careers than in academia. They like it much better. The other thing is that, and that's my point, that postdocs should really think twice to which lab they go. They should really, really inform themselves where they go to do their postdocs. I think uh, at the end of my career, I have had almost 50 PhDs and postdocs. They cannot all become professors. They didn't want to. And I think they got good training, a good education, and that's very good for whatever their career will be. And it should not feel like a failure if you don't stay in academia. We should tell the students and the postdocs what is the chance of them to becoming a professor, becoming a group leader. So what is the chance of them becoming a professor? Well, in the United States, about one-fifth of postdocs secure a tenured position. In Europe, it's even lower. So Rolf Tarak, who is the president of the European Universities Association and who is also a speaker on the panel, said that if we made the career paths of these postdocs more transparent, things might improve. But the main thing is that these postdocs and these early career researchers might feel a little less lost. Imagine it is a PhD, right? PhD candidate position for a PhD candidate. We know how many of these, what percentage, then go on in a postdoc, how many of them then start working in an industry, how many of them start working in industry in research, how many of them do work in industry but it has nothing to do with research, how many of them go into working in the town hall. We know these things because the supervisor you know, talks to, 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 to the PhD candidate. And I know exactly all my PhD candidates, what they are doing. I know it exactly. So this information is there. And all what I said is that it should be given. And it's very simple. You know, you just say, in this institution and in this type of position, so you look at the last five years or the last three years, what they did. And then you say, well, 30% of them went on with the postdoc. Um, another 30% went to industry. 20% went to work in government. And the rest, 20%, we don't know what they did. And that's it. You, you just give this information. Now, this information tells you a lot. Because the person who is thinking of taking this position will see what, in reality, his or her chances are then, you know, in doing one thing or the other. And if, if the person wants to pursue a career in academia and it turns out that only 10% of the people in the last five years in this position went on with a postdoc, well, then maybe the person says, well, this is not the best place for me. 
why is it not being well, made that, available? That what I is don't know. I, that, that, you know. I asked myself the question yesterday, why have the young people not asked for it? You know what they do? I mean, you know it better than me, very likely. They just talk to the supervisor. They say, well, what do you think? But this is one point of view. We need the statistics. And furthermore, supervisors are not always, they are biased. Uh, you know, I mean, they, when they need a, a PhD, they, you know, will not tell too many things, negative things about, you know, that position. Now, they are biased. I mean, that's, that's human. That's human behavior. I'm just saying, let us take the statistics. So, why have the universities not done it? Now, I imagine you don't give freely information if you are not asked to give it. <laughs> I think that one can convince them, and I'm, I'm trying to do it. So these initiatives of doing things in a better way, without pressure, that I think is quite seldom. One other theory that I've heard, uh, I don't know if this is true, is that universities might be reluctant to give this information because it might demonstrate that they are not able to keep on the amount of staff or they're creating a, a sort of a negative working environment for academics and they don't want that to become public information. Well, that's, uh, uh, yeah, uh, that, that might well be the case because it is, it's like undressing themselves a little bit. I mean, you, 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 you show something which maybe you don't want to show. Imagine, I mean, now most of the institutions, most of the universities want to be research universities. I would say, I mean, we are, we are very strong in research. Now imagine that then these data show that that is not the case. If all your PhD eventually uh, leave academia, you know, and, and don't go on in research, well, then you are not really a research university. You see, because, so there is a discourse, what we say, and, and that, and that these data might prove that wrong. Uh, and that might well well be the case. So do you think as your, your role as the president of the European University Association, do you think you can be the one to apply that pressure, the well, change? I, mean, I, I, I will, I, as I said. I, I'm going to write it down. Uh, and then I will share it with the board. I have a board of eight uh, rectors uh, from eight different countries, and I share it with them. And, and you know, I get the feedback. And if they think it is interesting... Then I'll, I'll bring it to the council. In the council, we have the presidents of 33 rectors' conferences. If I convince the, the council, then it, will be, then it will be something new. And it will certainly help the young people. No doubt. So if pressure needs to come from all levels, what is a big funding body like the ERC, for example, doing about it? Well, says Jean-Pierre, they've already started collecting data to help uncover what really happens to those who benefit from their funds. We are uh, one of the organizations uh, at European level which really has a remarkable capacity of recording everything we do. So we know exactly how many women we hire, how many men we hire, what are their success rates. Uh, and actually we are at the moment performing a very uh, substantial review of what has been the fate of, of people who have been employed by our ERC grantees. So not just uh, the people who got the grant, but the people who worked for them. And so we are, this study will, I mean, the results of the study will not be available until uh, the end of uh, 2019, because it's a very substantial one. But uh, we, uh, personally, I insisted that we should not just look at the grantees. 
because more or less it's quite clear if you get an ERC grant, it's a push upward for your career. But we want to be sure that the people who are working with these people also get uh, good, uh, good have a good future. So, so we will know for sure, and that's something that ERC is, do is doing quite well. That is to try to really produce facts. Sarah Ricardo, who was the panel's moderator, is extremely passionate about creating a fairer working environment for researchers, whether they leave or stay within the academic system. I would say that something that came from this session is we need more flexibility, we need better transparency and we need a fairer system. How do we do that? We need to do, generate data on all these things. We need to know and make visible these researchers in their institutions. We need the institutions to support these researchers and we need to help them move on to other sectors if they need to or incorporate them in institutions if they need to. We need to bring these, all these people that, are drop, that drop out, we need to bring them to light. We need to see what happens to them, where are they, and help them. Because right now, we are not focusing on them. So here's my take on this. If you want to see any changes happen, if you want a fairer system and a more transparent career path data, then you need to start asking for it. Like Roth said, these universities need a push to get these changes made. Thank you to Sarah Ricardo, Jean-Pierre Bourguignon, René Schroeder and Rolf Tarak for speaking to me and for being very patient with my tiny humans. Over the next couple of months, we'll have a few more bits and pieces from ESOF on the Nature Jobs podcast. But in the meantime, you can follow our adventures on the Nature Jobs blog, on Twitter and on Facebook. Thanks for listening. I'm Julie Gould. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.